Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Saturday the 18th of February 2012, entitled, The One Thing That Could Change Your World. And the Bible reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. I sure miss you. Life will never be the same with you not here. Each passing day has brought much pain, but with God's grace my strength remains. I sure miss you, but heaven's sweeter with you there. It's been one of the hardest songs that I've ever had to sing in my life. But I know my son's there. He's just waiting for me. I don't want you young people to leave this conference being discouraged. I want you to be encouraged. Amen? We don't have to sorrow as those with no hope, do we, brother? (laughs) We've got hope. We don't have to go through life with a terrible, terrible attitude because we feel like God's dealt us a bad hand. No. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I want you to open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 25, Luke verse 28. One of the most amazing verses of Scripture when this leaped off the page and hit me straight between the eyes and pierced my heart. I want you to look at what Solomon told his son. Now, What I'm going to speak on tonight is a topic I've entitled, The One Thing That Could Change Your World. The One Thing That Could Change Your World. Look at what Solomon wrote and said to his son. He said, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You say, Preacher, that verse don't make a lot of sense to me. I'm going to explain it tonight. Aren't you glad all the Bible wasn't written to us, but thank God it's all written for us. Amen? And Solomon told his son, he that, has no rule, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, I'm going to expound that verse, but I want to preach to you tonight on this topic, the one thing that could change your world. The one thing that could change your world. I want you to look at the verse, and I want to give you a few thoughts tonight, and then we're going, to, uh, we're going to say amen and pray, and then the young people are going to stay up till 12, and you older folk can go home and go to sleep, all right? I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I've looked up words, and you know what? I, I, I've, I, I try to do word studies. If you ever want to get a good, a, a good study in your life, take one word out of the Bible, see how many times it's in there, study how many times it means a certain thing and where it's a, uh, maybe a comparison in another area. But right here, I see a word in this verse that's very, very intriguing and can be the one thing that could change your world. We've asked the question this weekend, what in the world is going on? I want to ask you a question. What in your world is going on? What's going on in your world? See, because Solomon told his son, he that hath no rule. Do you know what rule means? It means control. The word rule means to control or to have in subjection. Now let me just go ahead and say it this way. He that cannot control his spirit. I looked the word spirit up. 
You know what it basically is translated? It's a Hebrew word which means to have a right attitude or the disposition of the way you think. Now somebody asked me one time, how many times the word attitude used in the Bible? I'm going to give you a great, great uh, thought here. There's this many times the word attitude is in your Bible. Zero. You say, preacher, you're going to preach on a word that ain't even in the Bible? <laughs> no, but the direct correlation and the parallel thought is there. Let me read this verse this way. He that hath no or can cannot control his attitude is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have ever flown on an airplane. You know how many of you have ever flown in the cockpit of an airplane? In the cockpit, not in the, not in the economy section. I'm talking about up there where the pilots at, all right? Any of you ever flown in the cockpit? I know Tony has. No pastor has. I have. A couple of you other ones have. Amen. Dave has. You know, when you're in there, there's an instrument panel that you look at in front of you. On that instrument panel are a lot of gauges. That mean absolutely nothing to me. It's all Greek. Amen? It's all Greek. But... <laughs> Y'all pray for her. <laughs> but on that instrument panel, listen to me. On that, she's one of them that gets the joke about 20 minutes after. You know, she'll laugh at about 20 minutes. <laughs> Diane, you're the same way. Look at you back there. <laughs> but it said, listen, when I looked at that instrument panel, Panos, you know what? There's a lot of gauges I didn't understand, but I can read. <laughs> and I look at them and I try to read what they're for. One says uh, barometric pressure, the other says altitude. But then there was a gauge that I saw on this plane, on this instrument panel, that said attitude indicator. I thought it was misspelled. And then the guy said, I said, does that mean altitude indicator? He said, no, that means attitude indicator. I said, wait a minute, this plane has an attitude? <laughs> he says, let me tell you what an attitude indicator does. On a plane, Evie, there, this attitude indicator shows you where the nose of that plane is in relation to the horizon. So, if your attitude indicator is below that line, it means your nose is below the horizon and you may have a crash in 2.2. Amen? If the nose of your airplane is above the horizon, you know what that attitude indicator says? It says you have a, you have a nose up attitude or a nose down attitude. Now let me go ahead and just explain something to you. There are some people that's sitting under the sound of my voice tonight and you need an attitude adjustment. See, some of you in this room, if you're not careful, you'll always look at the glass half empty instead of half full. You'll look at the rose, listen, you'll look at the dust on the table before you look at the rose in the vase. Some of you in this room, you've got a sour attitude. You're, you're the, listen, can I ask you a question tonight? What's your attitude like? If you've got a nose-up attitude or a nose-down attitude. He that cannot control his own attitude is like a man that, listen, a city that is broken down and has no defense or no walls. I want to give you a couple thoughts tonight. Number one, write these down. Number one, write down that your attitude is your, write this down, your attitude is your choice. Your attitude is your choice. The Bible has a lot to say about your attitude. The word ain't in the Bible, but the cor correlation and the parallel thought is. Let me give you a few verses. In, listen, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, it said, Caleb, a man who was a man of God, it said, Caleb fully followed me, and he had a, listen, another spirit with him. 
Now, that didn't mean he had another Holy Spirit. It means he had a different attitude than everybody else in that camp. Let me ask you something. How can a man walk, march around for 40 years with a people that did nothing but complain and bicker and gripe against the authority in their life and against God himself, but yet he came out of there smelling like roses? You want to know why? Because he had a good attitude. Hey, listen, the psalmist said in Psalm 77 verse 3, he said, when I complained, listen to this. I want all of you real, real positive, pious people to look at me. It says, when I complained, my spirit was overwhelmed. Some of you in this room, all you do is complain, 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 complain. Well, I ain't got this. I can't do that. You know what you need to stop doing? You need to stop complaining about what you don't have and what you can't do and start praising God for what you can do and what you do have. Amen? What's well, awful quiet in here. You know what the Bible says about Daniel? Listen, six times in the book of Daniel, before you get to Daniel chapter 6, it said Daniel had an excellent spirit within him. Why was that? It's because when he was an 18-year-old boy, he said, I am going to follow my God. And I'll tell you what, it'll always change your life if you'll follow Jesus Christ. It'll change your attitude. Let me ask you something tonight. You got a sour attitude? You got a negative attitude? Is your attitude positive? If you Listen, you can sit there and go, amen. Oh, I've got a good attitude. Let me go ask your kids or the people you work with what your attitude's like. I guarantee you they can tell me. Hello? Amen or on me? <laughs> what was that? That wasn't amen. That was... <laughs> hey, what's your attitude like? Let me say something, folks. Your attitude is your choice. You have a choice to make. I said it last night, and I'll say it again because it bears repeating. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You have a, listen, you have got to make a conscious decision if you're going to have a good attitude. If you're going to impact your world and make a difference in your friends at uni or at work, you have to have a better attitude. Your attitude's your choice. May I say this? Your outlook determines your outcome. Hello? Your outlook determines your outcome. You want to know why some of you have a poor attitude? It's because you're looking at things wrong. And you know what? That's your choice. I don't know about you, but I'm going to try to get up in the morning, and I don't do this all the time because you know what? We don't, we're not religious robots. We just don't walk around going, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, I love the Lord Jesus. You know, this is not a robot religion. This is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what? We go through trials and tribulations, but we can have a right attitude through it. David said, cleanse me, O God, cleanse my heart. And then he said, renew a right spirit within me. I want to ask you something tonight. Are you willing to pray if you've got a bad attitude tonight? And by the way, it ain't going to take long for anybody around you to tell you that you got one. I can guarantee you that because you know what? When you see people around you start whispering and when you walk up, they go away or they disperse, I can guarantee you they're probably talking about your bad attitude and you, want to know what, you ain't going to want to know what they're talking about. Your attitude is your choice. I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose to focus on this. God is good. Amen? Amen. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 38, verse 10. They that, listen, they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack Malcolm for any good thing. God is good all the time. The Bible says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty and strong, the more Lord mighty to battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. May I say this? Psalm 86 says the Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and they that runneth in are safe. 
God is good. you got to choose to focus on the goodness of God. So number one, your attitude is your what? That was weak. You get a C. You went from a C minus last night to a C. Hopefully by tomorrow night you'll get an A. Amen? Your attitude is your? Hey, that's better. B plus. Number two, look at this. Your attitude not only is your choice, but number two, your attitude has consequences. Look at, look at the verse. Look at the verse. He that hath no rule or cannot control his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I want you to, I want you to write this down. You may not realize this, but old cities back in the, uh, th this economy that we're talking about in the Old Testament are different than the cities that we live in today. Birmingham does not have a large wall around it because it's not a fortress. In that day, though, a city was, ba listen, was uh, great because of two reasons. Its walls, or its defense, and number two, its dignity. The walls that a city had, the bigger they were, the longer they were, the deeper they were, the thicker they were, showed that city's defense, and it showed its dignity. And you know what? A city that didn't have any walls, Tony, people would walk by and spit on that city because they'd say a city with no walls is no city at all. Let me tell you something, folks. When you've got a, listen, when you've got a terrible attitude, negative attitude, critical attitude, and by the way, it's high time that God's people be Barnabases and not always critical of one another. Huh? Am I talking to you tonight? If you're in this room, listen to me. Don't get on the phone after you get out from church on Sunday morning and go have fried preacher and get on the phone and talk about somebody else in church about what they had on or what they look like or you're going to talk about somebody because they may have said something and it wasn't even intended to be curt or chide remark but you just took it the wrong way. Hey, listen, give people the benefit of the doubt. Amen? Give people the benefit of the doubt. If you want to have a sweet spirit and a good attitude through life, you'll learn to do that. Because if all you do is go through life waiting to get offended, you're going to probably get offended. Most people go to church to get offended. <laughs> you ever thought, why do people go to church sometimes? And it's almost like they sit there and they go, well, nobody came and shook my hand. <laughs> God. You know, it's almost like calling the whamulance. You know, wham, 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 Some of you got that one. That's good. Why do we go to church to get offended? We ought to go to church to get a blessing. And by the way, don't wait for somebody to shake your hand on Sunday morning. You go and you shake somebody else's hand. You be a blessing. It'll, listen, it'll revolutionize your world. If you want to change your world, change your attitude. Number one, your attitude is your choice. Number two, your attitude has consequences. What are they? If you've got a bad attitude tonight, number one, you'll be robbed. You know what they did to a city that had no walls? Nothing. Because guess what, Tony? They didn't have no defense. Looters could come in, take everything you got. There was no defense, so you were robbed. Can I say this? The first thing that you will be robbed of if you have a negative attitude, young people, listen to me. Go back to school this next week. Go back to work and let somebody know just because of your life that something's different about you. You don't have to use your lips all the time. You can use your life and have a good attitude. But you know what? If you've got a negative attitude, the first thing you'll be robbed of is your friends. The second thing will rob you is your joy. You won't have no joy. You've got a negative attitude, you ain't going to have no joy because all you're going to look at is a glass half empty. 
You know that's what the people of God did? Pastor, the people of God got in the wilderness, and you know what? God gave them manna from heaven every single day for 40 years. He gave them water out of a rock. You won't talk about a good God. Do you know how much bread it would take to feed 3 million people? That's a conservative number of the children of Israel in the desert. Do you know how much bread it would take for them to be fed one day? It would take 50 boxcars full of bread to feed 3 million people a day. But Romani, he did it every day for 40 years. And they got the audacity to say, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Look at our clothes tonight. When you get home, look at what possessions you have and what God's given you. Because, by the way, every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Look at the friends you have. Look at the cars we drive. Hey, it may not be a Maserati, but praise God, it's going forward and the wheels are rolling. Amen? Huh? Hallelujah. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But yet many times we go, Lord, I can't believe you didn't give me that. I can't believe you didn't give me that BMW I prayed about. Yeah, Jaguar. Or as we say in North Carolina, Jaguar. You know what we do? We rob ourselves of joy, Steve, when we overlook the blessing of God. And sometimes, and folks, listen to me, in this country and ours, in America, I believe God's people have grown accustomed to God blessing us like He's got to. And God don't have to. God chooses to bless us. When Listen, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And folks, I'm deeply burdened about the United States of America. But as many friends, you know why I come to England? It ain't because of the weather. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Somebody said today, they said, hang around five minutes, preacher. It'll change. Don't worry about it. It's not going... It didn't change today. It rained harder. Well, it did change. It just changed worse. Yeah. But let me tell you something. The reason I come to England is because of you. People. I love people. I love the people in this room. You may not love me, but I love you. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, Micah. <laughs> I like picking on her. You know what? Your attitude has consequences. Say it with me. Your attitude has? Number one, you'll be robbed, but number two, you'll be ridiculed. When, when, listen, when looters went in and pillaged the city, they were the source of finger-pointing to everybody around, and everybody went, they're not no city. They can't even protect their own, they can't even protect their own people. They don't have no walls to defend, defend them. They, listen, they were a source of finger-pointing. And may I say this? If you've got a negative attitude, you will be ridiculed. Me and my wife, we traveled a length and breadth of the United States of America just like your pastor has, and we eat in a lot of fine establishments. You can go to Golden Corral. Listen to me, folks. If you ever, listen, you come to America, I'm going to take you to Golden Corral. You ain't never seen so much food in your whole life. Amen. God bless you, Brother Damien. I mean, you walk in the building, you walk in the building, and just, listen, it smells so good, you feel like you could take a, a roll and sop the air and just, oh, oh it just smells so good. Oh, 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 oh. They got pecan pie, son, I'm telling you. you. You set a piece on top of your head, your tongue would beat your brains to death trying to get to it. It's that good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But you know what? We used to go to this restaurant. It's no longer in existence, but it was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. When we went to this restaurant, there was always, and we went on purpose sometimes. 
I mean this thing. We went on purpose because there was a waitress in that restaurant. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. There was a waitress in that restaurant. When we used to sit down in the booth, we knew it was her section. She would come to the table, and Eric, she'd do just like this. Hey, here's a menu, what you want. I mean, just like that. I'm not lying to you. I'd say, well, I wanted to say, I want to live, so we'll just have water and a fork, please. That's all we want. She'd take our drink order, she'd come back, she'd slide the drinks across the table, back, get baptized all over again. You know, water all over you. You know, she'd throw the silverware over. You know, I didn't want to get punctured in the stomach with a fork or a knife, so I caught the silverware. We'd eat our meal. She'd come by, and after we got done eating, she'd come to the table, wouldn't even say, would you like some dessert? She'd say, we got pecan pie, apple pie, pumpkin pie. What kind of pie you want? <laughs> I'm not, she said it just like that. And do you know what, Pastor? That place ain't even in existence today because we just went down I-40, the corridor around Greensboro and Winston-Salem. It's no longer in existence. But you know what? Every time we drive by that restaurant, we don't talk about the food that we ate. We don't talk about the, uh, the atmosphere and the wonderful music they played while we're eating. No, we talk about that woman that waited on us. Let me tell you something. If you've got a negative attitude, if you've got a sorry attitude tonight, and your spirit is not right, you will be robbed and you will be ridiculed. So number one, your attitude has... Listen, your attitude is your choice. Number two, your attitude has consequences. But number three, your attitude can be contagious. Your attitude can be contagious. Let me give you something that happened to me. I was in the hospital not too long ago. All of the... Hospital elevators, saving one, was broken. So you got 72 people down here waiting to go to the fifth floor, and the, the, the elevator only hold about 10 people. So, you know, it's almost like being on the M6 waiting to get on the exit, off the exit ramp. Everybody's just waiting, and as soon as the door is open, they're gone, man. Like breaking legs trying to get on the elevator to go four floors. <laughs> I'd have got on the steps and just went on up, you know. But I was waiting there because I like to do this sometimes. Just, just like doing this. The doors opened up. We got on. I, you know, it'd come down one or two times and let some of those other people get on. Finally, I got on. I was going to the fifth floor. Some other people got on. They pushed two, three, and four. All right? And he got to two. Oh, doors opened up. We only had seven people on there. Doors opened up. Three more people get on. Seven plus three is? Very good class. We get to the next floor. Oh, doors open up. Four more people get on. Ten plus four is? Very good. Man, y'all are on a roll. Two for two. We get to the fourth floor. I'm going to get off at the fifth. We already got 14 people on that elevator, and we look like sardines. Man, we're standing in the elevator like this. You ever notice when somebody gets on the elevator, everybody's talking when they're outside. They get on the elevator, the door's shut, and everybody's going, hey, it's good to see you. How'd your day go? This door's like, yeah. And we look at the number, slobber coming out of our mouth, like we can't talk because we're in an elevator with total strangers. And we stand there looking at the number like looking at it will make it go faster to the floor we're wanting to go to. Just, just go, go, go. Well, we get to the fourth floor. The doors open up. Three more people get on. Seventeen people. I got off. I let the three get on. I walked in behind them. The door shut behind me. Almost caught my shirt. I had to do like this. When the doors closed, I looked at them and there was nobody talking. They're all looking at me. 
I said, well, I guess since I called this meeting, I'm, I guess you're wondering why I called it. Amen. And they all started breaking out in uproarious laughter. You know what, folks? Your attitude can be contagious. If you've got a good attitude, I promise you it'll spread and be infectious because the joy of the Lord is our strength. But if you've got a negative attitude, it can be contagious too. I've looked at homes. I've seen lives where the authority in the home... Hey, listen, folks, I've had to go through this myself even as a preacher where you look at negative things and you start to be pessimistic and you say, you know what, before long, you'll affect your family, you'll affect your friends, you'll affect everybody around you. Now, you can affect them for good or you can affect them for bad, negative. So number one, your attitude is your? <laughs> your attitude's your? Your attitude has? Consequences. Your attitude is? But look, number four, I'm going to be done with this. If you tonight have a problem with your attitude, it can be conquered. It can be conquered. You say, preacher, how? Let me tell you something. Three small things and we're going to say amen. Listen, number one, your attitude can be conquered if you, number one, confess your fault. You want to know why you can't get over your negative attitude? It's because you ain't never admitted it yet. You cannot fight what you're not willing to face. And you have to admit, say, Lord, I agree with you that my attitude is poor. My sister knows it. My brother knows it. My wife knows it. My church family know it. And I'm tired of lying to you. And I'm just going to agree with you that my attitude stinks. And guess what God says? Thank you, child. Now I can begin to work on your heart. So number one, confess your fault. Can I, say this young, can I say this, young people, look at me. It is much easier to conceal sin than it is to confess it. But you know what the problem is? You're more blessed if you confess it instead of concealing it. Because you know what happens when you conceal sin? One lie leads to four, four leads to eight, eight leads to 16, 16 leads to 32, you know, and then it just keeps on magnifying and magnifying and escalating and puffing up and puffing up before you know what. You don't believe in the lies you're telling. Why can't we say, Lord, you know what? You already knew this to begin with. <laughs> How, why am I trying to fool you? Why am I trying to, you know, snooker you? You already know this, Lord. You know that I've got a negative attitude and I want you to fix it. And God says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I tell you that a negative attitude is included in all? Amen. Thank you, brother. So number one, confess your fault. Number two, write this down. Number one, confess your fault. Number two, change your focus. You want to know why you think wrong? You want to know why you have a negative attitude if you got one? It's because you look at everything wrong. You think about everything wrong. Paul told the church in Philippi, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, just, honest, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to get from stinking thinking. You've got to stop your stinking thinking. And you've got to get to godly thinking. Think on these things. Number one, number one, confess your fault. Number two, change your focus. But number three, listen to this, and I'm done. Number three, if you want to change your attitude... You celebrate your future. 
Did you hear what I said? Celebrate your future. How many of you in this room have ever heard of a man by the name of Thomas Edison? <laughs> yeah, I think we all have because guess what? Uh, there's light bulbs above us, and he invented those. I'm thankful, aren't you? Hard to read a Bible in the dark. But do you know that Thomas Edison, 4,000 attempts at inventing a light bulb, and he failed every time. A news reporter came to him one day, Peter, and said, what does it feel like to fail 4,000 times? He said, I ain't failed 4,000 times. He, just, I, he said, I found 4,000 ways not to make a light bulb work. And he said, when I find the way to make one work, I'll give you a call. Guess what? 8,000 attempts later, voila. You want to know what... For, have any of y'all got 409 in this country? It's a cleaner. In America, it's 409. It's like a degreaser. It's like a kitchen cleaner antibacterial. And, and it's a spray that you clean counters off with. It's called 409. A lot of people don't know why. I found out why. 409 is called 409 because that's how many attempts it took to make it. 409 attempts. Aren't you glad that Thomas Edison didn't give up? Now, you know what? Every one of you young people and old alike know who Thomas Edison is. But can I ask you, does anybody know the name of that reporter that came and said, what's it feel like to fill 4,000 times? Nobody in this room knows who that reporter is because you know what? The difference was his attitude. Let me tell you something, young people. If you're going to get through life with a sweet spirit and have a right attitude, listen, confess your fault, change your focus, and celebrate your future. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I can't be at home in this world anymore. This ain't my home. I'm going to choose to celebrate my future. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Where are you going to spend eternity? Maybe the reason why your attitude is sour and negative is because you haven't known where to really get life from and don't even know what ex how to experience real life because the only way you can do that is through Jesus. Don't try to fake out God tonight. He already knows. <laughs> 